there is uh, there was a little town in France called Le Chambon, and during World War II, without any kind of formal guidance, the people of this town saved thousands of Jewish people from from concentration camps, and most of them were children. And they did this in a completely unorganized way. When 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 France was liberated, children and people came out of barns and attics and basements, and and no one really was conscious that the other people were doing this. And so there was a rabbi giving a talk about the conspiracy of evil that was World War II. And at some point during his talk, a man stood up, and he had been a Dutch Dutch rescuer. He had been someone who had saved people in Holland, and he said, Rabbi. I understand there was a conspiracy of evil, but what about the conspiracy of goodness? Do you think that I could have saved, the pe- my family could have saved the people we did without the help of the milkman, the mailman, and the neighbors? All of them knew something was going on, but they chose to be a part of this conspiracy of goodness, and we were able to save people as a result. And so I love this idea of a conspiracy of goodness, right? This idea that people are quietly doing good things. You talk to anybody, and they'll have some story of their neighbor who's who runs the March of Dimes or somebody who knows, you know, is in charge of the local festivities for the local chamber of commerce or whatever. Everyone knows there's goodness happening in their communities. And yet what we see on the news is always so negative that it's the other town that's the bad town. It's, it's this otherness, right? So there is this conspiracy of goodness going on. And, and we realized that it was our job to start bringing together people who are in the conspiracy of goodness so that they could come together and we could share our stories. We had felt so alone for so long. And suddenly now we had the words to describe what we were doing and we could bring other people who had felt alone as well along with us. And and one more word about the word conspiracy that I love is we started talking about the conspiracy of goodness and one of our fans sent us this beautiful thing. And the word conspiracy is, is a mixture of two words, con, which means with, and spirare, which is to breathe. So to breathe with, to breathe together. Con with is with or together and spirari to breathe. So to breathe together is what a conspiracy actually is. Angel of light, come into me. Show me what I need to see. Welcome to the Small Victories Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria, an inspirational thought leader that offers transformational perspectives based on my unique experiences as a woman born without arms and legs. I feel like my life has been full of small victories that has led me to discover the greatness within. I believe that there is no summit upon which we reach our greatness. I believe it is a culmination of small victories achieved moment by moment when we turn toward the inward battle where we get to choose despair or hope, misery or miracles, defeat or victory. My goal is to awaken your potential, your purpose and your power so that you can discover the greatness that lives within you. Think of this podcast as your weekly portion of tools, stories, and teachings that help you reflect on the small victories in your life. Thanks for tuning in and let's begin. Thanks for joining another episode of the Small Victories Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria. In a world where the polarity of opposites, good, bad, light, dark, positive, and negative are even more apparent, we need some good news. In fact, our lives depend on our ability to recognize the good, light, and positive. In the news and social media, we hear the word conspiracy tossed around in a negative connotation. Many people feel there is a conspiracy of evil. But what if there was also a conspiracy of good? 
That is what Lisa Ulrich Vertiber is doing. She helps reveal the conspiracy of good. Liesl is the CEO of Ever Widening Circles, a global positive media company with six platforms created with the goal of elevating goodness and progress for us all and proving that it is still an amazing world. Liesl, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so, so much for having me. I am grateful to have you here today and in some episodes, and I feel like this fits right into the, into recognizing good in the world. And so my first question for you, before we jump into a little bit more detail about what you're doing is what are you grateful for? Oh, what am I grateful for? Well, I just made a big move um, across the pond. I now live in Europe. I'm living in Europe for uh, the next year. And so I'm incredibly grateful for the new life that I just started in Europe during sort of this odd time. But I am incredibly grateful for my new neighbors, the street that I live on, the wonderful apartment. It's just, I'm so full of, of gratitude for being able to live a dual life now with my work in the U.S. and my home here in Slovenia. That is so cool. I feel like gratitude is one of those elements of being able to recognize the good in the world. And we're going to go into that more detail about how do we do that. But I want to back up a little bit and allow our listeners to get to know you and why you're doing what you're doing with the conspiracy of goodness. About, well, I graduated from Harvard in 2015 which is, I guess, six years ago now. And after I graduated, I didn't want to go into finance. I didn't want to go into pre-med. So I knew that I wanted to go do something good in the world. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do quite yet. So I graduated and my mom at the time had started a blog called Ever Widening Circles, where she wrote one article every day on any subject under the sun that proved it was still an amazing world, which is not far from where we ended up today with ever widening circles. But I, I came on and we had, at that point, I was really passionate about education. I'm still passionate about education. And we had a lot of educators asking us if we could get this positive content into their classrooms. And so I dove into ever widening circles. I'm not a naturally positive or optimistic person. I don't think I was a pretty cynical Harvard student did economics. And I was like, in the long run, it'll all work out. This is economics. And so I was, I don't think I was a particularly joyful person to be around, but I started working in ever widening circles and just absolutely fell in love with the work, fell in love with the mission. And from that sort of day forward, started turning ever widening circles from a blog into now the global media company that it is. So that is sort of the backstory of how I got to where, where I am today. And you know, Ever Widening Circles itself has its own lovely history of coming out of my mom's work as a dentist. She was a dentist for 30 years before starting Ever Widening Circles. And she really kept the humanity in healthcare when she was working in that field and, and as she works in that field. And it was when her patients came to her and were asking for positive things in the world. You know, she had been this beacon of positivity in their own lives that she found that she just couldn't not do something. She needed to create a space where her patients could find a place that didn't have politics, that was sort of right down the middle. It wasn't obsessed with ads, you know, had ads everywhere that just told people, that gave people more balanced and positive view of the world. Wow. What motivated your mom to do that? So like I said, she'd been a dentist for 30 years. She'd known people from when they were very little to when they were growing up. And she had an email one day from a young man who had joined the army. He thought, you know, okay, I'm going to go do some good in the world. I'm going to join the army. I'm going to be a person bigger than myself. And he emailed her at a very low point in his career in the army. And, you know, it was like, I don't see anything positive. I mean, please give me something, Dr. Linda, that you're a positive person. Do you have any insights here? And she scoured the internet for anything she could send this kid. And there was just, there was nothing that wasn't 
totally political, left-leaning, right-leaning. She didn't know this kid's politics. I think the best she could do was put together 10 TED Talks to send his way. At the time, that's what she did. She sent in the 10 TED Talks and those were helpful to him. But she realized that there was this big hole in the media landscape. If she couldn't find it anywhere, someone had to step into that. And she's the kind of person who sees that kind of hole as a dentist for 30 years and decides, why don't I just start something on my own on the internet? And she found a person to code her first website and, and sort of we took off from there. It's kind of funny, this dentist, you fill the hole. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Continuing the work in other other levels. In I other like. ways. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I guess I wasn't cut out for to filling those kind of holes. I'm, I'm here just to sort of fill the hole in the media landscape, I guess. Well, it's an awesome job that you're doing. I think it's so very needed, especially today. I mean, this was a few years ago and it wasn't even in this current climate. So yeah, no, 2014. Now, yeah. So what you're doing now is even more needed and so glad that you took the steps early on to build it. Cause who knew that we need something so badly now. I'd love for you to explain to me this conspiracy of goodness. Like where mm-hmm. did that name came, come from? So a few years ago now, my mother was talking to a thought leader that we were very close with and he stopped her midway through a sentence and was like, Linda, you know, what you're doing is the conspiracy of goodness. We'd been on the internet for so long at that point, I think five years at that point. And we'd had such a hard time wrapping what we did into words. We didn't have words to like get the description of what we were doing. And somehow that phrase just like struck us like, yeah, there is a conspiracy of goodness and we're the ones that are talking about it. So my mom did a little digging further into the the words conspiracy of goodness. And she found this incredible story of of where that phrase came from. So the backstory of this is there is, uh, there was a little town in France called Le Chambon. And during World War II, without any kind of formal guidance, the people of this town saved thousands of Jewish people from from concentration camps and most of them were children and they did this in a completely unorganized way when 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 France was liberated children and people came out of barns and attics and basements and and no one really was conscious that the other people were doing this and so there was a rabbi giving a talk about the conspiracy of evil that was World War II and at some point during his talk a man stood up and he had been a Dutch, Dutch rescuer. He had been someone who had saved people and, in Holland. And he said, Rabbi, I understand there was a conspiracy of evil, but what about the conspiracy of goodness? Do you think that I could have saved, the, my family could have saved the people we did without the help of the milkman, the mailman, and the neighbors? All of them knew something was going on, but they chose to be a part of this conspiracy of goodness. And we were able to save people as a result. And so I love this idea of a conspiracy of goodness, right? This idea that people are quietly doing good things. You talk to anybody and they'll have some story of their neighbor who's, who runs the March of Dimes or somebody who knows, you know, is in charge of the local festivities for the local chamber of commerce or whatever. Everyone knows there's goodness happening in their communities. And yet what we see on the news is always so negative that it's the other town that's the bad town. It's, it's this otherness, right? So there is this conspiracy of goodness going on. And, and we realized that it was our job to start bringing together people who are in the conspiracy of goodness so that they could come together and we could share our stories. We'd felt so alone for so long. And suddenly now we had the words to describe what we were doing and we could bring other people who had felt alone as well along with us. And, and one more word about the word conspiracy that I love is we started talking about the conspiracy of goodness and one of our fans sent us this beautiful thing. And the word conspiracy is, is a mixture of two words, con, which means with, and spirare, which is to breathe. So 
to breathe with, to breathe together. Con with is with or together and spirari to breathe. So to breathe together is what a conspiracy actually is. So I think there's a lot of symbolism there. We can breathe goodness together. We can breathe goodness into this world together. If only we have a place to connect and a way to, and a way to come together and not be in our own little corners of the world. If we can find a place to elevate our voices and amplify each other. Oh my gosh. I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> I love that. That is so cool. It's so important. Your platform, you said it has six media companies. So what kind of uh, projects do you put out? Yeah, so we've got several. We've got Everwidening Circles, which is our publishing platform. So Everwidening Circles itself, you can go to ewc.co because Everwidening Circles is a very long name, but ewc.co. That's our publishing platform. We publish there Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We put out news about goodness. News is probably the wrong word because we're not like, it's not like everything is incredibly current. We try and do a lot of evergreen stuff because the thing about goodness is a lot of these projects that are doing good in the world make slow progress. So they're never quote unquote newsworthy because they're not like very splashy headlines. They're like, we make slow, good progress. We have the the media outlet there. Then we've got EWC Ed, which is our platform for education. So a lot of our content is video-based over on Everwidening Circles. We take the best videos from there and we create mini lesson plan starters for educators so they can have something positive to bring into their classrooms. We've got Amazing World Media. Amazing World Media is our project to get positive video content and positive films into um, hospital and healthcare settings. And then we've got our podcast. We've got a speaking platform that we also have. So we're getting together a group of speakers together in a bureau. And I'm forgetting one very important one, I'm sure. At this point, six gets to be a lot. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. And then we've got the Conspiracy of Goodness Network. Of course, the baby that I've been working on for the whole year. Wow, what a brain fart. And then we've got the Conspiracy of Goodness Network, which is our positive our, our positive network for connecting people who are a part of the conspiracy of goodness, people who are a part of this beautiful ecosystem, whether you're like a frontline doer or you're one of those helpers of people that's out there in the world that just has to help, or someone who's just trying to learn how to do more good in the world. This is our way of getting us all together on our own custom built positive platform. And that one is our newest freshest baby. It came out in February and it is humming along and gathering people who want to do more good in the world together. So there's the way different ways in which people can get involved. Yes. Someone wanted to connect with you or any of these platforms. We'll make sure that we link them up in the show notes. Let's not keep the goodness that each of us are doing to ourselves, but like conspiracy means, you know, breathe together in the goodness and it amplifies the little good that each of us does and makes it so much bigger. And we can almost see how it may relate in the bigger picture of it all. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that what you're doing, this plat- these all these platforms, what it does is it inspires people to continue to do good because it can get tiring yeah. as, oh, a, yes. Yes. as an advocate or someone that's trying to do good in the world that is counter to what society deems right or, you know, mm-hmm. necessarily the way they want it to go. So it can get tiring having to mm-hmm. do it all by yourself. And the mm-hmm. beauty of this platform is that you can know that you're not by yourself anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, so good. There seems to be a attraction to the negative, to the Mm. drama of it all. I mean, we look at our, how many news channels are there now just dedicated to sharing bad news in the world. 
uh, take your pick and people tune in. They're obviously still in business because the demand is there. Mm -hmm. What do you think as humans makes us want to pay more attention to the negative? Mm. Yes. I think this one we can blame on like neuroscience and the evolution of our own brains, right? So this one, I don't think we can take too personal. We can learn to, to fight against it. But really when it comes to why negative news attracts us, firstly, we have to understand the nature of the news, right? We'll get to the biology first, but let's, let's talk, look at the news first. When we talk about the nature of the news, news is newsworthy because it doesn't happen all that often. That is, if you actually go back to the definition of what news was supposed to be, it was supposed to tell you about things that were new, that were novel, that were not happening all the time. But the problem that we have when we have the 24-hour news cycle is that you have to fill up that time, right? You have to fill up the time with something. And what gets people to come back more and more is the negativity. And that's because our brains evolved to basically be scanning for signs of badness, essentially, right? So like, if you go back to way back, right, when our brains are developing, we have this part of our brain called the amygdala, it's called the lizard brain, and that's the fight or flight response, right? And that, I mean, we all know when we're worked up, that thing takes over and, and there is no cognition happening at a, at a high level. So that, that part of our brain kept us alive, right? That part of our brain kept us, we heard a twig snap, and then a saber-toothed tiger came and grabbed one of our fellow villagers. We were like, okay, if I ever hear a twig snap again, that's going to be top of my brain. I know I got to run. So our brains developed this habit of things that we that gave us that fight or flight impact, like stayed with us more. And also our brains developed this thing where basically whatever we see a lot of, we start to think is the nature of reality, right? So if our brains see a lot of negativity, a lot of the, what's happening on the 24 hour news cycle, our brains will start to think that is the norm and not what's actually true, which is the fact that there's less war, less poverty, more rights for women, higher levels of education happening across the globe. But those things are not newsworthy because like I said at the top, they're not sexy. So they're happening in slow, continual progress. And by that nature, they're not really that newsworthy because they're happening with slow, continual progress. It's this sort of soup that our brains are living in where like we are attached to things that make our fight or flight response go off because that's what our brains were evolved to like do. They're evolved to be excited by those things. And then you would add to that the fact that we're watching news over and over and over again. And so our brains are starting to think that is the nature of reality. And then you put on top of that, our sort of inability to listen to news that's about slow progress because it's not sexy and it's not probably going to sell ad dollars. And it's, it's not going to uh, make everybody tune in next time to see if the world got better. And, and what you have is sort of this problem of the way that our news is, is today. And I think what's really critical about this is I am not anti-news. I do not believe anyone should stop watching the news. I do not believe going as fast is what we should be doing. The news plays a critical role in democracy. It plays a critical role in us understanding and being educated about what's going on out there. But news and the consumption of news is like a diet. And if we consume, if we overconsume it, it's going to make us feel sick. What I really suggest for people is picking slow media, things like newspapers, things that are like well-written. If, you, if you're choosing your newspaper online, something well-written and only dip into that at the top of the day and at the end of the day. So don't listen to it all the time. So you will get you will get the high and important points. And if things stick out from that news that you feel, okay, I need to be deeper informed, allow yourself to be deeper informed. But it's not necessary for us to be checking our Twitter feeds for the latest beef every five seconds. We, we can step away from that and we, we can give ourselves more space to process the 
heaviness of the important news that's coming at us. So read the news to be informed. Right. Not to be entertained, essentially. Yeah. I know. I think people, we can be more mindful about that. Yeah. I know people who keep the news on all day, every day on in the background and the energy, the negative energy that comes through that, even if you're not actively listening to it, feels like it's still seeping in. So balancing that right, out also with good stuff on platforms such as yours would probably be a good idea. I yes, can imagine. Yeah. Thank you for that explanation on why our brains or why we as humans naturally want to migrate toward the negative. So it seems like we have to be more intentional and mindful of seeing the positive. Mm -hmm. What suggestions Mm -hmm. or guidance would you offer so that way we can be more intentional about seeing the positive and recognizing it so that way we're not absorbed and, and consumed by the negative news that's out there. So we have this thing we call the four shifts and this started with how do we retrain like our Facebook algorithms to be less negative. And it turns out that our brains are actually running algorithms all the time. So we don't need to be too afraid of algorithms they are actually there to help us. They were there to help us and they help us in our brains. But what happens is they get kind of stuck in ruts. And so we have the four shifts, which helps us to sort of cognitively retrain our brains essentially to see more positivity. So the first step in the, in the four shift is to pause before I choose to go turn on the news channel, maybe stopping and saying, okay, well, what else can I do to absorb my time? Or when a relative or a neighbor says something super negative, it's pausing before we allow ourselves to respond in a negative way or, or continue the downward spiral they've started. So that's the first one is pause. That gives us space to basically understand what's happening around us. Then the second one is ignore more. So I think right now, one of the things is where everything feels very charged because we are reacting to almost everything, right? We're liking, we're, we're commenting, we're, face, we're, we're doing all these things, we're sending, we're tweeting, we're whatever, right? And then I think we're bringing that energy a lot to the way that we interact with the, with the real world. I see someone not put Purell on their hands before walking into the grocery store and I'm indignant. How dare they do that? When we ignore more, what we start to do is ask ourselves, be like a little bit more selective about what we're reacting to. To, to not react when we see the ABCs. It, and I'm not reacting out of anger, boredom, right? I just want to pick a fight or morbid curiosity, right? I, I, especially online, this one is true. That's like clickbait, like whatever we click on, we're going to get more of. And so if we're like, oh my God, what did the Kardashians do? Or, oh my gosh, like, I do want to know more about that horrible thing that happened to that person. We're telling the media that we want more of that. And we're kind of also at the same time, training our brains to scan for more of that out in the real world. So ignore more. So we've paused, we've ignored more. Then we have to seek out signs of goodness and progress. And this one is a little bit hard, but it's really important because it's now that we've kind of made space to sort of retrain our brains. Now we have to actually start doing it. So the way that I suggest people do this is to to start being really cognizant of who they're following on Facebook. And I'm not saying unfollow friends. I'm not saying don't have people that have different opinions with you, but what kind of things are spurring on your positive curiosity? What's, What's delighting you? What's bringing you joy? What are you running across you know, in real life or in the news, it's like, oh my God, this is so wonderful. I've got to share it with Mary or, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. Pauline has to know about this. Find things like that. And the great thing about algorithms is if you start to do that, you're going to see more of that stuff, more of the good story of the woman that like had the big fundraiser going to show up on your newsfeed. And then 
you're going to be able to take those stories and do the fourth thing, which is to share signs of goodness and progress. And this one is incredibly important because this is the one that allows us to amplify the goodness that others are doing and also help others not stay in a negative headspace. How many times do we start in a conversation with somebody and we let ourselves fall into the, the downward spiral? Oh, did you hear about Kathy? Yeah, she had this horrible thing or son, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and, and the weather is terrible. And did you hear what happened in politics? And like, we all know this exact conversation. So when we have sought out signs of goodness and progress, we can now have something to break that, that habit. We can now share those signs of goodness and progress and start to turn those negative conversations that we have online or in person upside down. When we start to sort of be on the lookout for things that prove that the world is more balanced or more good, it's not looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. It's just helping to recalibrate what our brains are on the hunt for. Just like we now believe the world to be totally negative. So our brains are currently on, on high alert for finding evidence of that. We can start to shift our brains to start being on high alert for things that are good. Noticing when someone helps the woman get her, her groceries into the cart or someone keeps the toddler from knocking over the cart of apples or whatever it is, right? We can, we can start to notice goodness in the world and you start to see it far, far more after you have to see little acts of kindness from people once you start to scan for it and that becomes the way your brain starts to react to the world. So pause, ignore, seek and share. Yes, exactly. Well, and you said at the beginning of the episode that you wouldn't have considered yourself a naturally optimistic or positive person if you apply, since you've been working with the conspiracy of goodness and ever widening circles with your mom and probably have practiced this framework. Do you feel like that has shifted a bit for you? I think it has. And I'll tell you the way that it has shifted most is in the way that I view other people people. And this is the most interesting thing. You know, like I I was recently on a trip with a bunch of friends and everything that went, there was so much that went wrong. The server gave us the wrong thing. They ran out of the dish that I wanted. The yoga teacher was super mean. It was like one thing after another of like, that could be negatives. And usually my brain would have just dwelled on those things. And I would have tried to make jokes about those things. Like, oh my God, how, how silly and horrible that like, we got such bad service that your bridal shower or whatever, you know? And yet I didn't want to engage in those conversations when the people around me, I was trying to be like, well, she's trying so hard or, well, you know, we, we tried how lovely that someone, you know, paid for our yoga session this morning. And I think I, I, that was the first time. I also think it was, I've been practicing this now for many years, but this is sort of the first time, right. This is right after the kind of the world opened up after COVID and I was able to go out and be with people again. And I could just see how different my brain was from then to now in these social situations. And so, yeah. I think it has not made me like an overly optimistic rose-colored glass. I'm still very practical. I'll still do all the research, but I think my automatic reaction is no longer to find the negative. It is now to find the sort of goodness and the positivity and the beauty in things a little bit more. That's awesome. I'm I'm glad you're a subject of your work. So that's, yeah, it, it, I can I can prove that it does it does work. <laughs> yes, yes. There's definitely credibility there. You said you're six years. Mm-hmm. since you've graduated from Harvard in economics yeah. and yes. you decided rather than going into economics or finance or anything like that, or which you studied, you decided to join your mom in her mission with ever widening circles, which is a very different type of industry. You go from like finance and money and numbers. That's very hard 
to conspiracy of goodness and ever widening circles. And that's very soft and feely, touchy, emotional, (laughs) but it's also mission-based. And Mm -hmm. so I'd like to know from someone who graduated from one of the most prestigious schools in our country and could have maybe gone in a different direction I'm sure there's a lot of money in the financial industry Um, and you chose to pursue a mission-based business. Why did you do that? And what guidance or advice would you offer to somebody else who is considering a mission-based business? I think to answer the first part of your question, you know, even when I was in school, I had transitioned, I was, I did economics and architectural design. And so I was in the design world, which I loved. And even then people couldn't understand why I would go, you know, the economic people couldn't understand why I was interested in design. And the design people were like, why are you doing economics? And to me, it was very clear. If we wanted to design good stuff in the world, we had to make it so that it was going to actually work for people. And the best way you could do that was look at the economics of, of what you were offering to the world. And so for me, the things that are sort of squishy are not absent from the things that need hard numbers beside them. And I think that same thing is so true of a mission-based business. You can have a wonderful mission-based business, but if it doesn't become a business that can sustain itself, it gets lost in the world, right? If it doesn't get the right funding or if you don't find the right, if you don't crack the code on how to get what you need from the funding world, it goes away. And that, I think we can't have any more of those businesses fail to exist in the world because we need more and more of them. And I think luckily people are thinking in this, this mindset. When I graduated, B Corps were barely a thing. I was interning at one and it was like really novel, these B Corps, these corporations that had a, a, a sort of submission to do good in the world, or rather it was a core part of their mission, I should say. And now you see them everywhere. I mean, they're on sock commercials on every single podcast and glasses commercials and shoes and you name anything, toilet paper. I heard that for toilet paper the other day. They were also giving, they were building toilets in, in places that needed them. So I think everything can do good in the world. And it's really important that we understand the economics of that in order to make it sustainable and lasting and to find the people that can support you. And I think the most important thing that I've learned over the course of six years, being a businesswoman, sitting in meeting rooms where people did not take me seriously, the number of times that people gave us a pat on the head and said, oh, that's such a wonderful idea. Get out of my room. They didn't say the get out of your room part, but it was heavily implied or the number of times people had taken advantage of our goodness. I can't even count. I don't even want to count the number of times people taking advantage. And that was because I hadn't learned this critical lesson in business. And I think this is the most important thing anybody ever has said to me. And unfortunately, it only it was only said to me in the last year, but it is the most important thing is that not everyone is going to get what you're doing but there are going to be cheerleaders out there who do, and you need to find them. Don't spend time trying to convince people about your your idea. Spend time finding the people who get what you're doing and get them to love you, right? They're going to love you anyway. Go go find them. Uh, I had a a friend of mine, Sheldon Barlett Rumor. She's incredible. One of these people that you just have on Instagram. She's so positive, so wonderful. She's a media person and a PR person. And she was like, if you knew that you were going into a room, like you had an hour to go network with people. And someone said to you, 90% of these people are not going to get what you're doing. And there are 10% of people in that room that do. And there's a hundred people in that room. And you've only got an hour to find the 10 people that love you. I wouldn't go around trying to convince the 90% of people that I bumped into to like, love me. I would be like, thank you so much for your time. Guy who doesn't understand that goodness is important. I'm going to go find somebody who does love me. That's the biggest thing I have to say is if you're working in a mission-based business, not everyone is going to get what you're doing. 
and that's fine. But there's going to be a lovely community of people that do. And don't spend all of your time and energy trying to convince people that don't love you to love you. Go find the people that love you. You know, say thank you so much for your time, but go find the people that love you because they will love you unconditionally and be far more helpful to your mission than somebody you'd have to stand in your head and spit nickels to get them to, to even open the door for you. Great advice. And you can build your tribe that way. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you've built a, an amazing tribe. You're continuing to build that tribe. I know you're working on a summit. Would you like yeah. to talk with us about the summit? Yeah. So the summit is on October 10th. Last year, we were working on finding goodness. And this year we are working on living with purpose. So we have four incredible speakers, five incredible speakers, sorry, coming to talk about how we live with purpose. These people have lived at all levels of finding their purpose. We've just noticed in this world of doing good that there is this huge shift happening in society of people that are like recent grads, nine to fivers, second climbers, they're entering sort of retirement age, and they know that they're built to contribute something. They're uniquely built to contribute something, and they just don't know where to start. And so this summit is really our are sort of opening up of this idea of how do we get people who want to do good in the world, who want to live with purpose? How do we give them the support they need to start building a life that does good and helps them feel like every day they wake up doing what they're uniquely built to contribute? So the summit is on October 10th. It's from noon to three Eastern time. You can get tickets at cogcogsummit.com, cogsummit.com. There you can see our lineup of speakers and also check out tickets. It's going to be just an absolutely incredible event. Last year, the summit was such a highlight. This year, we're hoping to get um, 300 people to the event. So get your tickets before they run out because it's going to be, it's going to be lovely. I'm so, so excited for the speakers we had this year. Awesome. And is it a virtual summit? Yes, it is a virtual summit. Sorry, I should say, I just assume now everything is virtual. So yeah, it is a virtual summit. So you can tune in from wherever in your PJs, if you prefer, you know, a nice, a nice cocktail for an afternoon, if that's what you're looking for too. So we'll link that up in the show notes so you can get signed up for that. Living with purpose. If you're in a space where you really are looking at what was I created for? What does my life stand for? What is the legacy that I want to leave in this Mm. world? This would be a great summit to get you started. I think we are in a time where people are being almost forced to look at these questions. As much as we want to say, yes, there may be a conspiracy of evil. There's also a conspiracy of a good because what is made for evil can also be used for good. And so mm-hmm. this is very encouraging platform for us to have. So thank you so, so much to you, Liesl. Thank you to your mom. Shout out to Liesl's mom. What's her name? Linda, Linda, Linda Ulrich. Linda. Linda, if you're listening to this, thank you so much on behalf of myself, the Small Victories podcast and all the listeners. Thank you for choosing to do something different, seeing the gap and filling it. And Liesl, thank you for continuing to carry on the mission and expanding it so that the scales of good and bad are more balanced. Let's say that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I will send on your thanks to mom as well. Yes. Thank you. Here are this episode's takeaways. The conspiracy of goodness is a movement to unite those that are doing good in the world so that we can be intentional about recognizing the good. Staying up to date on the current events is important, but limit how much news you intake and make sure you balance the negative news with the good. We are wired to pay attention to the negative. Our brains over time have evolved to be on the lookout for danger as part of our fight or flight response. 
Additionally, as we watch the news on a regular basis, our brain begins to think the negative is the nature of reality. Therefore, we need to be mindful about taking in other good news. Here's the framework to shift yourself to recognize more good in the world. Pause, ignore more, seek out, and share. Find a way to make your mission-based business economically sustainable. More mission-based businesses are needed in the world. Not everyone is going to get what your business is up to. Focus only on those who love what you're doing rather than convincing the others to love you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Small Victories podcast. I believe in the inherent goodness of people, despite what the news would have you believe. I, you, can witness it every day and can be a testament of it. I believe we're born good, and it is only the external factors that change us, but we also have the power to choose. Choose to be good and recognize the good in others, and when we can hold that space, we can find ourselves victorious. Until we meet again, be blessed. Angel of light, come into me, show me what I need to see. You are my pathway into the light Lead me from shadows to light You Smile